What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. God for a word, right? Anybody remember your word? Anybody? Did anybody write it down? Anybody forgot their word? Does anybody raise their hands in this church? Okay, <laughs> just, just curious. We can interact in service. Um, our, our word for the church was to know God, to know God, to understand God's character, to understand what the Bible says about him, right? Here's the crazy thing about the Bible. The Bible was not made for us to worship. The Bible reveals to us the one who we're supposed to worship. It tells us about God. It tells us his character. It tells us about Jesus. So it's through the word that we understand who God really is. And so in today's message, that's kind of our goal. That's our focus is I want us to know who God is. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 15, verse 20. This may be a common story, but while you're turning there, let me give you some background information. Let me build this scene for you. We're going we're gonna to story tell today. Um, in this scene, the way that this starts is Jesus is sitting around with tax collectors and sinners. Right? He's sitting. Listen, we need to understand something. If Jesus is willing to sit with tax collectors and sinners, we also should do the same thing. Does that make sense? If Jesus sat with tax collectors and sinners, what was the purpose of him doing that? Was so that he could introduce them to the king of kings. Right. Jesus is sitting around with tax collectors and sinners. And then all of a sudden, the sudden, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they come up to him and they start complaining. Man, this guy, he's chilling with the scum of the earth. This guy, man, they don't even he's supposed to be a proclaimer of God's word. But these guys are living against his his word. So Jesus says, he goes, I'm going to teach you something. And he goes and he tells three stories. The first story is of this shepherd. The shepherd has a hundred sheep. Right. And then in the way that the story goes, one of these sheep run off and the shepherd, it says that he leaves the 99. We just sang about this, right? How many of you all excited that when you were the one that God left the, the flock to go and chase you? You know what I mean? All, that's all of us. That's all of our story that Jesus left the 99 to find us when we were running away from God. The shepherd goes and he finds the sheep and he comes back and he gathers everybody around to celebrate this one sheep. That's the first parable. The second one is this lady has 10 coins, 10 coins. She loses one and she goes in pursuit of these 10 coins. And when she finds it, she gathers everybody around to celebrate the fact that she found this one coin. So the first one, there's a lost sheep that gets found. Second one, there's a lost coin that gets found. The story we're going to look at is called the parable of the lost son. We're going to look at verse 20 and we're going to skip to verse 22 right after that. Says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. Jump to verse 22. Says, but the father told the servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. 
Here's what I want to talk to you from this place. I want to talk to you about the road, the road home, the road home. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you think. Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, God, man, we just thank you so much uh, that we get to come and worship you, that we get to dive into your word. God, we thank you uh, for a generation that's going after you in baptism. And God, we, we're asking for more. We're asking for your spirit to just continue to pour out more, to reveal you more, that this next generation will pursue you more, that we would pursue you more. So God, show us your heart this morning. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. Have you ever been in a spot where maybe maybe you said something to someone or did something to someone and then like time passes by and then all of a sudden you kind of come to this realization like, oh, I have to apologize. Anybody ever done that? Like been been. Yeah. If you're married, you better raise your hand. I know the truth. Right. It happens a lot. Like we'll be in a, in a conversation uh, or an argument or a disagreement and we, things just kind of get tense. And then you say something, and you walk around like, whoo, got him good. And then you're like, ah, oh, dang, I need to apologize. Like it, it just doesn't it just didn't sit well after I really think about what happened. There was a there was a time um, we were it, it was with the staff and the staff really gets to hear the overflow of my thoughts. If you guys want to know what it's like to work with me, it's like I'm going to go sit in your office and I'm going to tell you what's going on in my head. Right. So there was we we're getting ready for the date night series. Yeah, they're all amen. They, they still hear it on Sunday. Anyways, we we're getting ready for the date night series. And I was working on week one and I was like, listen, this is kind of where I think I'm going. This is what's going to come out. You know, and we start talking about men and women's mega need. And I'm like, yeah, the mega need for men is like honor and respect. Woo. And then I was like, but the, the mega need for women is security. Right. And then Naomi steps up. She goes, Matt, I think you're wrong. And I was like, oh, really? She goes, I think the mega need for women is to be cherished. And I'm like, no, listen, you're wrong. And she like, there's this battle going back. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm like, I'm the senior pastor. I'm right. You know what I mean? Like, like that's not really how it went down. But like, we kept kind of arguing and, and bantering back and forth. And then all of a sudden, like it's lunchtime. So we go home and I'm like sitting there and I'm eating my pizza, super healthy. And uh, it comes to my mind like, you know what? I can see why she would think that. Actually, like I understand why I think security, Jimmy Evans is a bit a major influence in my life. But one of the things that happens over time is men quit cherishing their spouse and they pursue their jobs. They focus on providing financially. So I'm like, mentally, I could see why she thought what she thought. Now, there's something that goes on in your mind between the time of realizing you need to apologize and actually saying the apology. You know what I mean? Especially like if it's with your spouse or with somebody else. Like in this moment, I'm like, okay, so when I go tell Naomi, like, I'm sorry, how is she going to respond? Is she going to be like, hmm, I told you so. Like if you just listen to me more often, she's going to be like, huh, okay. You know, I know. Or is she going to, you know what I mean, is she really going to receive it? You know what I mean? Anybody ever had those thoughts? Like, you know, you got to apologize. If, if you have a kid, <laughs> have you ever had to apologize to your kid? Okay, how are they going to receive it? Are they going to let me know what's up? Are they going to be like, okay, what's going on? So I go and I go and apologize to her. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit was moving in both of our lives. And she had the same conviction at lunch. So we like both ended up telling each other sorry and understanding each other's view. But the reason I share that is I kind of want us to understand what's going to happen with this lost son. Right. This law, in fact, when we look at this story, there's two things I want us to do. One, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of the lost son. 
But two is I really want us to pay attention to how the father responds. To how the father responds. When Jesus talks about the father, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about God. Right? So this is how the story goes. We know by the story that there's three major characters. We have a father, and the father has two sons. Obviously an older and a younger. So one day, the younger son walks up to his father, and he says, Father, I want my inheritance right now. Now here's what we need to understand. Inheritances were distributed usually when the father passed away. Right? So for a son to go to his father and say, I want my inheritance right now, was for him to say, Father, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. To ask for his inheritance before his father passed away was for him to say, you're dead to me. If you're the dad, how many of y'all are handing that inheritance over? No. You know what I mean? None of us are going to willfully, like I would be ticked off. If we're going to be completely honest, you want what I'm supposed to give you? You didn't work for any of it. I'm still alive. This was passed down to me. Like, can you hear all the justifications that would be going through our mind if we were the father? But we're not. We're the younger son, right? The father gives him the inheritance, and it goes off, and he wastes it. He wasted on prostitutes. He wasted on reckless living. So everything that the father was supposed to give him, none of it's left. It's all gone. Right? Bad situation. And then it gets worse. It says that a famine hits the land. So not only do I not have any resources, but there's a famine in the land. And then it gets worse. The only job he can get is, is like he becomes the helper at a pig farm. Why is that worse? Well, because the Jewish people, pigs were unclean animals. So now he's resourceless in a famine, and he's having to take care of animals that his people were not supposed to be engaged with. It gets worse. His food is what the pigs eat. Right? Not a great situation. For him, maybe at the beginning of this, it sounded great. Oh, I get my inheritance now. I'm going off to live wherever I want. I'm going to go make a name for myself. I'm going to live the life that I want. And it's like kind of the whole statement, when it rains, it pours. First, the resources run out. Now we, we can't grow anything. Now I'm taking care of pigs. And even worse than that, I have to feed these pigs. And then it says that he comes to his senses. It comes to his senses. This is the thought that comes to his mind. If I go back to my father's house, the people that are servants or the people that are slaves at my father's house live better than I do. So he, he starts to, to work up this apology. Anybody ever rehearsed a speech before you were supposed to go say sorry or something like that? You're in great company. We all have. <laughs> This is kind of what he works up in his head. He's like, I'm going to go back to my dad and say, listen, dad, I've sinned against God. I like how he says that first. He like he recognizes it. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. According to like law, like Old Testament law, like he was a disgrace. Like quite honestly, the father could have stoned him, like had the whole town stone him. <laughs> so he comes up, and he's like, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. So will you make me one of your hired servants? This is the speech. This is what he's got in his head. He said he came to his senses and he starts to rehearse this speech. So what happens is the next morning he wakes up and he starts to head home. Imagine the thoughts that would be going through your head. 
if you were this young man, right? Your father gave you your inheritance and it's gone. You have nothing left. But even worse than that, the reason you have nothing left is because he gave it to you early because you basically said you were dead to, that he was dead to you. You know what I mean? Uh, let me just let you kind of let you into my mind. If I'm this guy, my question is, how is my dad going to respond? Not only did I waste everything that was given that you've earned or that was passed down to you, but I also told you you were dead to me. Like, in my mind, is he going to hate me? Like, for real? Is he going to scorn me? Is he going to be standing there with his arms crossed, like kind of tapping his toe, ready to let me have it? Is, will he even receive me as a servant? Right? Will he even take me in? Because I said he was dead to me. So the son starts walking home. Imagine these thoughts are going through his head. Man, what's my dad going to do? I hope, he, I hope he accepts my apology. I hope he takes my speech. And then up over the hill, he can start to see the house. And this is what the Bible says. While his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with not rage, not hate. We didn't despise him. He was filled with compassion. He ran and he threw his arms around his neck. Come on, listen, did you see that? Did you, did you see how the father responds? How many of us that this would have been our response? Right? How many of us would have been, would have ran to our child? Even when they've said hurtful things, even when they've wasted it, all of their stuff. No, I think some of us would have sat there waiting for him and then we would have made it a teachable moment. Right? But that's not what the father does. Right, Brandon? Can you go stand over there by that little light switch over there? Brandon is going to be our lost son. Brandon, you, you done did, took your inheritance? Yeah, way over there. So the father, the father is like over here. It, and it says that when he sees his son off in the distance, I mean, Brandon's like way over there. Y'all know I don't like to run. But it says he sees him and he runs to him. He doesn't stop. He runs all the way. Why? Because he's filled with compassion. That's the God that we serve. The God that when he sees us off in the distance, he runs. And he's filled with compassion. And he throws his arms around us. Right? Think about it, man. We've got this Old Testament concept, this view that God's going to throw lightning bolts. Did he throw bolts? No. He ran to him. You know what's crazy? It was a sign like of, of poor, like he, the father risked his dignity to run to the son. Elder people did not run to their sons because it said that they had no dignity. You know what that means? The father didn't care, doesn't care about his dignity. He cares about how much he loves you and he's willing to leave his dignity behind to go to who you are. He's willing to leave it all to run to who you are. It gets him excited. He sees you. You know, what's crazy even is it says when he sees him a long way off. It doesn't say when he got inside the gate of his community. It doesn't say when he got inside the church doors. It said when he saw him a long way off. You know what that implies? The father had a regular habit of looking for him. How many of you understand the father's got a regular habit of looking for us? He's got a regular habit of looking for us. And what's his motivation? His compassion. It makes me think of this. Um, last week, Bradley, one of Bradley's closest friends is a, is a guy named Zegan. Everybody knows Zegan. Uh, he's Dustin and, and Caitlin's little boy. And 
we kind of have this agreement. They're like, Dad, take a drink of water. Okay. They're like, Dad, can Zegan come over after church? I'm like, yeah, after you take a nap. Come on, somebody. You know I mean, Sundays are for naps, right? I can say, yeah, son, you can, he can come over after you take a nap. Well, they wake up, and Juju wakes up at the same time, and Juju wakes up hangry every time. So I'm like feeding Juju. I text Dustin. I'm like, Dustin, hey, the boys are up. I'll come pick up Zegan as soon as Juju's done eating. He's like, no, no, I'll bring, I'll bring Zegan to you. It works out easier if I take Zegan to you. I'm like, all right. And this is what Bradley does. Bradley like runs up to the door. He's like, dad, Zegan's on his way. And he comes to where I am with Juju. And he runs to the door. And then he comes back to where I am with Juju. And then he runs to the door and sees Dustin's truck. And the next time he runs back, he's like, dad. Zegan's here! And then he runs to the door and he opens the door. Why? Because my son was excited for who was about to come to him, right? God is excited when we come to who he is. He makes a regular habit of walking to the door to see that we're on our way to him, right? The Bible says that while we were sinners, he died for us. While we were sinners, God was still looking off in the distance to see if we were going to come to who he is, come to where he was, if we were going to come to our senses. And what happens? He leaves everything behind and he runs to us. He runs to us. Why? Because he's motivated by compassion, not dignity, not honor, compassion. You know, what's crazy is watch Jesus move throughout the gospels. And most of the healings that happened, happened because he was moved by what? Compassion. That's the God we serve. Not moved by lightning bolts. He's not Zeus. He's moved by compassion. Why did Jesus come? Because God's moved by compassion. Because he's moved by compassion. So then the son gets there. <laughs> and this is what verse 21 says. It says, the son said to him, Father! You remember that rehearsed speech, right? I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Did you notice that there's one part of that rehearsed speech that was missing? In his rehearsed speech, this is what he said. God, Father, I, I recognize that I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Second thing was, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the third thing was, make me a hired servant. Will you bring up that first verse again, verse 21? Look at this. It's going to come up now. There it is. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. So I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Next verse, next verse. But the father told there's a line missing. Did y'all see that? He was going to say, make me one of your hired servants. Why didn't he say that? Because the father cut him off. The father wasn't interested in the son being a servant. The father was interested in the son being a son again. That's what was going on. Let me tell you about these three things. He gives him three things. It's the best robe, the signet ring, and then sandals. Why is the robe important? Because the best robe would have been the father's robe. The best robe in the house would have been the father's. So for him to give his son the best robe, he's saying, son, I'm giving you what is best that is mine. If we equate that from God to us, what is best that is his is his son in life. His son in life. He gave, think about it. 
When you look in perspective of the cross, the sacrifice that was given so that we could be uh, right and whole with God, God gave us the best. He gave us the best. And because of our belief in him, the Bible says we are clothed in righteousness. God gave us the best rope. Gave us the best rope. Second thing is he says, give him a ring. Why is the ring important? Because it would have been a family signet. So for him to get the ring was for him to say, you're still my son. You're st- catch that. You're still my son. Like as if you never stopped being my son. The last one is he gave him sandals. Why is sandals important? Because it meant that he wasn't a servant or a slave. God's not interested in humanity being slaves. He's in- interested in humanity being sons and daughters. Again. Again. What am I saying? Listen, humanity, we already belong to God. The Bible tells us that humanity, mankind, is made in the image and likeness of God. Right? There's a story with Lecrae. Lecrae was uh, on Rodeo Drive, and he was getting ready to do a concert, and he wanted to go just buy a a white T-shirt. So he walked into a store in Rodeo Drive, you know, bougie, super expensive, that kind of stuff. He walks in and he sees a shirt on the rack and it's like $400, just a plain white tee, $400. He's like, what, if I wear this, like, am I going to get healed? You know what I mean? Like, is there something special about this, this shirt? And he goes, he said he'll go to another rack hoping that that was the sale, uh, that that was the more expensive. And he found out that the first shirt that he looked at was on the sales rack. So $400 on the sales rack. So he goes up to the cashier and he says, Hey, man, tell me what, why is this just plain white tee, like $400? Is it laced with gold? Is it like supernatural? Is it going to heal me, make me run faster, help me rap faster? What, what's going on? Why is this $400? He said, well, it's the designer's name. The designer's name is on the shirt, and that's what makes it expensive. Come on, don't you know that if you're made in the image and the likeness of God, the designer's name is on you? The designer's name is on you. What does that mean? You were always his. You were always his. And the truth is, is we're no different than this younger son. Right? We ran off. We may not have taken a financial inheritance or a cut like that, but we ran off with our life. You want me to tell you the diff- like the similarity? We talked about this. In the Garden of Eden, God was the one that defined good and evil. Sin happened when man tried to define what was good and evil, when we seized the opportunity to define good and evil. It's what got us here. So when we live life based on our own terms, that's the equivalent of us squandering our inheritance. God's always wanted humanity to live in Eden. If he didn't, he wouldn't have put us there in the first place. And the only reason he kicked us out of Eden, kicked humanity out of Eden, was to keep us from being separated from him eternally. It was God's grace that exiled Adam and Eve from, from Eden. It was his grace. So when, when we ran off with our life pursuing the other things, you know what God does? He's been waiting for each and every one of us to come back. Where? Right outside his door. He's got a regular habit of looking to see if we're off in the distance looking to see if we're walking back to who he is. And here's the thing is he's not interested in making us slaves. He's not saying, hey, do this, that, and the other, and you'll be sons again. 
No, as soon as we come to him, the Bible says that we become sons and daughters, that it is his spirit that seals our spirit that makes us sons and daughters. And that's why we can call him Abba Father. That's the God we serve. That's the God we proclaim. That's the gospel, the unashamed, the gospel that we are unashamed of. That God has given us an opportunity to come back home. And instead of their scorning us, instead of making us earn sonship, he's not even interested in our apology. He gives us the best. He makes us family and we're no longer slaves. Worship team, if you guys will come up. So let me tell you how the story ends. The father, excited by the fact that this, the son comes home, throws this giant celebration, right? If the kingdom of God is like this, this is why we say when one person gets saved, that all of heaven throws a, a, a feast, all of heaven celebrates, because this is revealing the father's heart. When one person, listen, any event that we host, if one person says yes to Jesus, it, that whole event was worth it. I don't care the dollar amount that was attached to it. And we've got to get to the point where like if heaven's willing to throw a celebration, why would we be silent? Remember, that's the kingdom we represent, not this one. If the kingdom we represent goes crazy, come on, we ought to be some crazy people. Especially in a church room where we all believe the same thing. Just throwing that one out there. You know what I mean? So the father throws this giant feast and the, remember, he's got an older son. The older son hears this, this party going on. He asks the servant, he says, what's going on? He's like, hey, bro, haven't you heard? Like your brother's back. So the, he's unwilling to show up to the party. Now remember, at the beginning, who's Jesus teaching? The religious leaders, right? The Pharisees are examples of the religious leaders in this story. Let me say, modernize it. The Pharisees are examples of a religious spirit in this story. And I'll show you what it looks like. Father, he won't even show up. So what does the father do? He even goes, he runs out to the young. Can you see that? The father runs out to the oldest son. Even the son that didn't leave him, that didn't squander everything, the father goes to him. People that we know that have a religious spirit, or even us, if we have a religious spirit, the Father still shows up to us. And the Son, it's kind of crazy, because the Son won't call Him Father, which was disrespectful in that time. He doesn't have the honor to call Him Father. He says, listen, you're going to throw a party for this guy? He goes, I've slaved, slaved for you. I've done everything that you ask, and you haven't even given me like a little party. And this guy go and waste everything that you have on prostitution. That's his words. And you're going to throw him a party? Like this guy is mad. I've done all of this stuff. Where's mine? Have we ever been there? God, I've been following you for years and years and years. They said yes to you yesterday. Why are they being blessed? You know, the, the church of Acts, it says that they celebrated the favor on top of each other, which means that when the church gathers, we're not sp supposed to celebrate our favor. I'm supposed to celebrate the favor on your life. Why is he being blessed? Why are you throwing him a party? Look at verse 31. Son. Okay, now that's, let's stop there. 
The son couldn't call him father because he was ticked off. He disrespected his father. But the father still calls him son. Still calls him son. Son, he said to him, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. He said, but we have to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's not anymore. He's found. Remember, he's talking to the religious leaders and the religious leaders are upset because Jesus is surrounded by taxpayers and sinners. And what is he doing? He's showing them what's important to God. They think it's about their personal righteous standing. They think it's about their works-based salvation. There is no such thing as works-based salvation. They've been missing the point. They've been missing the point of what the Father's heart is towards people. And he tells them this. He says, listen, you've always been with me. How? Will they represent the nation of Israel. That's been his people. You've always been with me. And everything that I have is yours. Let's, let's ask this question. Why did the son slave away? Right? That was his argument. I slaved for you. Why did he slave away? He slaved because he wanted a reward, not because he loved the father. You want to know the difference between a religious spirit and like chasing God for the love of the father? It's the answer to that question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you follow God the way that you follow God? Is it because like this point, this point, this point, this point, or is it because of God moving in your life because of the mercies of God is what we talked about last week. The compassion, because God loved me so much that I want to live my life for him. I mean, that's the difference between a religious spirit and living my life for God. If I'm doing it just because this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, right? That's what he said. I've never disobeyed you. I've been missing the point my whole life. Listen, you can follow all the rules and miss God. You can follow all the rules and not know who the father is. He's been living in his house the whole time and didn't know what was available to him. I mean, he's the equivalent of a religious spirit. And and think about this. When it comes to an inheritance, if you had two sons, the oldest son got two thirds of what was the father's. The youngest son got one third. So what did the oldest son lose by the youngest taking his inheritance? Nothing. He lost nothing. It didn't cost him anything. The youngest son didn't take anything away from him. And he's upset. You know why? Because he doesn't know his father's heart. Think about this. Jesus tells three parables, right? Three parables. We have the parable of the shepherd. What gets celebrated? That the sheep was found. You have the parable of the lost coin. What gets celebrated? That the coin was found. You have the parable of the lost son. What gets celebrated? That the son is found. Church, you want to know about God. What does God celebrate? When the lost are found. What does he celebrate? When the lost are found. And when they are, God embraces them and he reinstates them as sons and daughters. 
If you, I don't care how long you've been following God, you could miss out on that. What is the thing that matters to God? Does God, uh, I want to think about how I want to say this. Does God want to bless you? Yeah, I believe that. Would I say that that's probably the number one thing on his heart right now? No. I think the number one thing on his heart is seeing people come back home. It's seeing those that are lost know who he is, know that he's willing to run back to them. Here's the crazy thing, though. You know who he chose to deliver the message? Look around the room. Not just me. He chose us. He chose the church. He appears to his disciples. Matthew chapter 28 says, All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Therefore, remember, if there's therefore, ask what it's there for. So because all authority, all, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of my commands. And I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. The world needs to hear about this father who's not waiting to judge them, but this father who's willing to run to them and to reestablish them as sons and daughters. That's the message. That's what God gives us the Holy Spirit to go out and declare. And maybe for some of us today, that's what we need to remember is that God ran to us, that God gave us his best, gave us a ring, and he gave us sandals so that we would no longer be slaves. I'm asking our ministry team to come up. And during these last couple songs, man, I want you to kind of have the heart of communion. You know, in communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. When is the last time you remembered when you said yes to Jesus? When is the last time you remembered what God set you free from? This younger son, he set him free from brokenness, from famine, and having to deal with pigs. What did God set you free from? What did he deliver you from? And remember that the same father that ran to you is ready to run to every person that's got breath in their lungs on this earth. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. God, I thank you that you don't sit at the gate ready to scorn us, that you're not ready to tell us how it is, quote unquote, but that you run to us. That while we were still a long ways off, when we wasted parts of our life running away from you, squandering in how we thought was best, that you were waiting, that you ran to the gate, that you had a habit of looking out at the, at the, at the landscape to see if we were coming home. God, and I thank you that you ran. Why? Because of your compassion. God, it's the reason we have hope. Why? You have compassion because of your love. God, for humanity, that we have hope, that we have faith, that we know that this is not the end for us. But God, don't let the message stop with us. God, I pray that there would be a fire in our heart and in our feet to say, listen, I've got to go share this with somebody. There's a God that loves you, that that has been chasing you, that has been waiting for you, not to make you a slave, but to make you a son and daughter. To build a room in his home for you. God, may we never take that for granted. Love you. It's in your name we pray. 
Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.